This is the Do It Scared podcast with Ruth Sukup, episode number 34. On today's episode, we are going to talk with author, podcaster, and life coach Michael Sandler about daring to shine that light inside you, even when life throws some pretty big hurdles your way. Welcome to the Do It Scared podcast. I'm your host, Ruth Sukup, and each week on the show, we will talk about how to face your fears, overcome obstacles, and most importantly, how to take action and create a life you love. This episode is brought to you and made possible by the world's very best tool for managing your time and getting your life in order, the Living Well Planner. Created by yours truly, the Living Well Planner is designed to help you organize your time, manage your budget, plan your meals and your to-do list, and crush your goals all in one place. It literally is the tool that keeps me sane every day, and it can absolutely do the same for you. You can find it online at livingwellplanner.com. And be sure to use our promo code DOITSCARED to save $10 on your order in our special offer just for podcast listeners. Hey there, and welcome back to the show. As always, my name is Ruth Sukup, and I am the founder of Living Well Spending Less and the Living Well Planner, as well as the founder of Elite Blog Academy and the New York Times bestselling author of five, very soon to be six books. In today's episode, we are going to be talking to the incredibly inspiring Michael Sandler, host of the Inspire Nation podcast. Now, I've had the honor of being a guest on Michael's podcast, not once, but twice, and he is always so much fun and so positive and so uplifting and so high energy and so inspiring. And so I was actually shocked to learn just how much he has actually been through in his life and how much he has had to overcome to get to where he is today. His story is pretty incredible, and I have no doubt that you will be inspired in ways you never thought possible. And ultimately, that's exactly what this podcast is all about. It's about taking the steps that will help us overcome our biggest challenges and our biggest hurdles so that we can create a life we love. Because in the end, courage doesn't mean that we're never afraid. Instead, courage is being scared, but taking action anyway, despite our fear. It's putting one foot in front of the other, even when we're not quite sure where the path is going to lead. All right, guys, so just a couple more things before we dive into all the goodness of today's episode. First, if you have not done this already, you can download our Do It Scared Manifesto to remind yourself to start living your own life of courage right now. This manifesto is so inspiring, and it's the perfect thing to tape up on your mirror or on your desk, whatever. It's very cute. Uh, And you can get it by texting Do It Scared to 44222. Or you can go to our website and get all the show notes for this episode, as well as the manifesto at doitscared.com slash episode 34. Once again, that's either text doitscared, all one word, to 44222, or get the show notes and everything else at doitscared.com slash episode 34. Also, if you haven't already, please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. And while you're there, be sure to subscribe to be notified of new episodes. And now, without further ado, I am so, so happy to introduce you to the very inspiring, my friend, Michael Sandler. Michael, it is so exciting to actually be interviewing you on my podcast instead of the other way around. So welcome to the Do It Scared podcast. I am actually so excited to have you here today. Well, I'm very excited to be here too, Ruth. And and I've got to say, as I was saying off air, we're over 950 shows into our show, but it has been years before I, since I've been on the other side of the mic. Ooh, this is exciting then. Don't know yeah. what I'm going to throw at you. I actually love being on the like dishing it out end. It's so much fun. <laughs> You're in the power seat. I am in the power seat and it feels so good. It feels so good. Okay. So for my listeners who have maybe not heard all of your 900 episodes. Um, Can you just start with a little introduction? Tell us a little bit about what you do, who you are, where you've been, and what makes you tick. 
So that's, that's, that's a very comprehensive question because <laughs> I've reinvented myself several times over. So I'll try to give the express version, which is uh, invention number one was a, a professional level cyclist, uh, Olympic training center trained speed skater, not the best one, but, but was working on it. Raced in Europe for a few years cycling, um, got injured, came back to the States, wandered around with PTSD for many years, got better, got things figured out, got healthy again from an injured back, seven years of, of uh, substantial back pain, went back to grad school. I was coaching athletes at the time, went back to grad school, got an MBA, got a second master's in computers, came out wanting to help students with learning disabilities. And um, uh, of something that I was challenged with um, was uh, an ADD squirrel on crack and had learned how to deal with that while getting two multiple or, or two simultaneous accelerated master's degrees. Wrote a book called College Confidence with ADD to help students with attention deficit disorder. Uh, gave national talks on it, was a featured speaker on it, coached on it, then got into life coaching, and uh, then did a 5,000 mile, 40 day solo, unsupported bike ride across the country to help people with learning disabilities and uh, uh, stomped on or, or tromped around in Congress with my cycling shoes on for uh, uh, getting help for people who needed it, and uh, then was sponsored by Rollerblade to do an inline skate across the country the following year to help students with learning disabilities, and uh, ended up with NDE number one in training after a father stepped out on a bike path in front of me, teaching his baby how to walk. Oh. That radically changed the course of my life. I was on a helping path but it radically shifted everything. On top of that, I was told I'd be lucky to keep my leg. I'd probably, not I'd probably never be able to run again, be lucky to walk again. And it wasn't until I stripped off my shoes and felt the earth and be able to heal and get balanced again that I couldn't do those things. So I ended up becoming a barefoot runner for no intention other than to heal. Wife came into my life, we had her at a meditation center, Jessica Lee, knew immediately that she was the one. She told me, I'm not a runner, you'll never get me to run, and I hate running. And uh, then a few months later, there she was starting our company, Run Bear. <laughs> She's running barefoot and had us write our first bestseller, Barefoot Running, together, which became the number one exercise and fitness book on Kindle for nine months running. Wow. Got into athletic coaching again, particularly barefoot running, barefoot walking, traveled all around the country and all around the world doing that. Ended up moving to Maui after my service dog Sawa passed away, filmed a, a DVD on barefoot running there, stayed there several years. Jessica got very, very sick. This will lead into, I'm sure, all sorts of questions later on. We got crushed, moved back to the East Coast for her to heal. We were financially broken, we were physically broken, and we're going, what are we going to do? But we had been recording a program, a beautiful program called Mindful Running, uh, mindfulrunning.org, in fact. And um, we had been recording some interviews for um, what turned out to be, I guess, some sort of a summit. It was supposed to be just some bonus interviews. And 40 some odd interviews later, and Jessica is the editor. She's going, oh, God, stop. Please stop. I'm like, wow, this is really fun. Fast forward, we're on the East Coast. We're living in her childhood, eight by 10 bedrooms so that she can heal so we can get our lives back on track. We're going, what do we do? And the idea for Inspire Nation came about, which is a whole story, but the idea to start a show, start a top-level show that will help raise people's vibration, elevate consciousness, and help shift humanity to a next level came about and we were off to the races. And now I do life coaching with every different type of person under the sun. We are 950 shows in. We've had who's who in self-help. We're so glad we've had you twice on the show. Mm -hmm. And it has been a phenomenal journey. We've turned everything around. We have an incredibly successful business. We've doubled our income in the last year alone. And wow. everything's just been an amazing rocket ship. It's taken work but it's been a phenomenal journey. Oh, and somewhere in there, 2013, on book tour number two, I had NDE number two. And that's so a whole other story. NDE? Near-death experience. Near-death experience, okay. I stopped breathing and started to go away. 
Oh, okay. We're going to talk more. We're going to talk more about that. Your story, you like your journey actually makes me feel like I need to take a nap. (laughs) 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 I was very exhausted listening to it. Like you're a high energy person. Like, I mean, I knew that just from having been on your show two times, like you have a lot of energy, but listening to some of the things that, that you do, that you've done in your life, my gosh, you're like, really high energy. Where does all that energy come from? I really couldn't tell you, Ruth. I guess (laughs) we're all gifted with different things. That's what I have. Part of my journey has been how can I bottle that energy Mm -hmm. or tame that energy or between you and me and whoever else is listening, my wife is a kitty cat. She's Mm -hmm. a skittish kitty cat. If I bring this energy to her, sorry, everybody. I will freak her out. So mm-hmm. she's been my greatest teacher and how I get calmer, how I get quieter. I've meditated for over 20 years now, so I can harness it. I can turn it on and off, but I've had to learn how to meter that energy. Hmm. You know, we all have our own cross to bear, don't we? So, but it works for me and, and I do get a lot done. And I'm actually quite proud that I also take a lot of time in the non-doing as well. Oh, so let's talk about these uh, NDEs, as you call them, the near-death experiences, because those these are like you have had some pretty serious serious things happen. So talk about the first one. What happened exactly? Give us a little. So more detail the about first that. one, I had finished a skating session, and I had taken off my skates, put my feet in a mountain creek to kind of cool them off. I joke and say there was probably steam coming up off of them. And I was praying for safety and guidance for my upcoming journey. In fact, I'd been listening to an audiobook by Dr. Wayne Dyer, Inspiration, talking about how everything in life happens for a reason. Thinking about that, meditated, laced up my skates, said, go slow, Michael. It's a Sunday. You're on a bike path. There may be tourists out now. It's later in the day. And then I rounded the first turn slowly, but it was a slightly downhill turn. And a father had just parked across from the bike path and was stepping out. He didn't even know it was a bike path while teaching his baby how to walk. Mm. And I, I, I like to say that I had a choice to make, hit the baby or hit the deck. I'm not sure there was any choice in the mm. matter. I threw myself up and back to try to stop myself from hitting the baby. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like an Olympic high jumper. I would have done him proud, you know, up and over the bar. Mm-hmm. And I landed. I remember being in the air going, I wonder if I'm still going to be able to do my skate across the country. Uh, and before I could finish the thought, I landed on my hip. My body kept rotating and I exploded everything basically from my hip down to my knee and my lower uh, arm as well. Oh my gosh. So, so then what? <sighs> instant bliss. It's the craziest thing. Really? It, there was no, as far as I know, there was no moment of blacking out. In fact, all the, excuse me, EMTs, when they came, they're like, did you hit your head? You know, who's president? What's the date? And I'm like, I didn't hit my head. Um, but it was like time stood still. And it was a moment of just the most beautiful moment in the world. Everything was perfect. Everything was incredibly special. Everything was amazing, which is is wild to say because um, I had to then, as I came to, take my left leg and flop it over my right because there were pieces of bone sticking into my femoral artery. And if I didn't do that, it would have pierced it and I'd be gone. But I look and the baby's okay, the dad's okay, the sun's still shining. And I had the most beaming ear-to-ear grin in the world. It was a complete shift of my beingness. I went back for for a good seven years to that spot afterwards. In fact, there's there's, in the bark, it looks like a handprint where I would go to this tree right by where I fell. Mm -hmm. And I would put my hand there and pray each year and give thanks because as far as I can tell in my beingness and my wisdom in who I am, Michael 1.0 ended and Michael 2.0 <laughs> came about. Interesting. So obviously you had a huge healing process after that. 
was there like, did that feeling stay with you the whole time? Like there was never a moment of just being angry or upset or why me, why did this happen to me? Why do I have to deal with this? It's not fair. Like none of that. No, 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 none at, for the accident itself. None of that. And, and I was gifted with a titanium rod through my femur, a titanium rod through my hip and all sorts of other fun stuff. Um, but no, I did have a, um, a fiance who had been overseas. She was a professional athlete. She was out of the country at the time. And two weeks later, she broke up with me um, oh. in, in the most weirdest, bizarre, third-person fashion. That left me reeling for a bit. So I call that time period of my life the festivities. <laughs> but the accident itself, I knew was an incredible gift. And I knew... I've been listening to Wayne Dyer talking about how everything in life happens for a reason. Here I am, you know, a few minutes later, broken on the trail. There must be a reason for it. And so I fully believe something incredible would come out of it, one. And second, something incredible had to come out of it if I was to survive. I had to make a choice that this would be incredibly positive to have the energy to be able to rally the troops of mind and body to overcome this accident. Mm. So you made that choice. Yeah. Obviously. That's incredible. Okay. So let's talk about ND number two. So number two, I was on a book tour for barefoot walking. Um, so Barefoot Running had been outrageously successful. We had a, uh, a two-book deal uh, with Random House. And it's interesting. The book was beautiful to write. Loved it, loved it, loved it. But then a series of events took place, starting with a, a very bizarre book cover. I call it the Headless Horseman. Uh, the first cover, Jessica and I are running together light and free. It's amazing for barefoot running. The second cover, they used a driveway shot of me from the neck down <laughs> of just me walking. And I'm going, what, what is this? And, and I couldn't get my, um, I couldn't get my um, agent to do anything about it. She's like, oh, Random House knows what they're doing. It's fine. And I'm like, but there's no joy there's no anything there's a headless person on the cover (laughs) (laughs) book covers are fun conversations aren't they oh my god (laughs) and 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 it was just a photo supposed to be a photo of me walking barefoot showing form it was never supposed to be and that was the start of one thing led to the next lead to the next to where it felt like water flowing uphill Mm. we for this this book tour we had organized um, with a, um, a, a national chain of stores who would bring me in, organize everything, take care of everything. They laid off all of the employees who were organizing the event. Oh, my gosh. That's a bad sign. We had yeah. a uh, RV that we were going to be using for the duration. The transmission broke on it. Oh, no. That's a bad sign. Thing after thing until finally Jessica's like, I'm out. You're doing it alone. <gasps> Really? Like she just could not deal with it anymore. She knew. She Mm. was listening to her heart, which Mm. said, this is water flowing uphill. You need Mm. to heed these things. I was listening to my head, which says, this is so important. This is what we need to do. We need to slay the dragon. I need to martyr myself. I need to go out and put myself out there. Mm. Everything went wrong on the tour that could have. There was engine problems, electrical problems. There are three days. There was no heat in the vehicle where I'm in below freezing (laughs) temperatures in this RV that I did rent. Um, It got broken into all my electronics stolen, two car accidents the same day. I I said I surrender, I'll quit. Then the next day I was convinced to keep going. A few days later, the vehicle's teetering on two wheels in a national forest and almost tipped over. And on and on, until I finally got the message and I called Jessica and I said, come help me get the RV back. I give up. Mm. I really do give up. And so she flew out to Colorado, met me there. We're driving it back to California where it's rented. And then the, the day before we returned it, um, my, I got to get her done gene or something started kicking back on and I'm scheming and I'm planning and I'm coming up with ideas and I leave this beautiful place we could have camped at night because I'm now back in slay the dragon mode and the next day um, 
I went out on a hike with her, Horsetail Falls, in uh, just outside Lake Tahoe. Mm. And I swam in the most blissful underwater, freezing water litter cavern. It was snowmelt runoff that would come off of this, ho- uh, this, this waterfall and created this cavern over millions of years. And so I was freezing cold. So I put on my, my uh, slick, sold, leather-soled sandals to hike back to the RV. At one point, we stopped. I told Jessica how much I loved her, how much I was looking forward to having kids with her. She hops across the creek in front of me. I hop across the creek. I step onto a, a, a rock. I guess I had sand on the bottom of my moccasin. And my feet went up into the air. And I landed on a pyramid-shaped rock on my right thigh just below my hip. Mm. And it exploded all of the bones. Oh, my gosh. And um, uh, I, I watched my hip stop and my leg continue. It's like a cartoon. And I knew what had happened. And then my body stopped breathing. And I, I yelled to Jessica before I stopped breathing. I said, oh, no, not again. Really? And did you remember saying that or did she tell you later that you said it? I remember screaming that. And then I stopped breathing. And there was no booming voice. There was a bright light, but I'm figuring that was the sunlight. I couldn't tell you. I stopped breathing and I had a choice. You can go into bliss. Life is good. Everything will be fine. <laughs> Life not as you know it. <laughs> or you can fight to come back and be with Jessica. Mm-hmm. And, and I had just yelled to Jessica, oh, no, not again. I know she's coming back running for me. And I, I couldn't leave her. Mm-hmm. And I had to fight to get myself breathing again. And I had to consciously, my body, it wasn't deep, but my body was stuck from the waist down in a freezing cold creek for an hour until the the first rescue workers could get there. Um, And I had to force myself for every single breath. I would look at the sun and I would breathe in light, send out love, breathe in light, send out love. And I just kept doing it to keep myself going. I remember a whole bunch of bystanders came and at one point I'm there, I'm, I guess I'm high on light and love and I'm, I'm trying to sing, I can see clearly now. I can see clearly now. <laughs> and if I oh stopped focusing on the breath, I stopped breathing. When the EMTs got there, they couldn't get a blood pressure on me. Oh, wow. It took uh, two helicopters to, um, to, to get me to the hospital to save my life. It took um, at least five transfusions of other people's blood. Um, and the wildest, craziest thing out of this, after my first accident, I had the, all the titanium parts, titanium rod through the left leg, titanium rod through the hip, and I had an inch leg length discrepancy. Mm. After the accident, the doctor came in the next day, or doctor's assistant, into the, the, the hospital room and said, how did you get up the x-ray so fast on your website? What do you mean? We, did, we don't have an x-ray. And he goes, yeah, I was just taking a look at it. What turns out, zero odds of this. After, before the accident, titanium rod, titanium, you know, all the titanium parts. After the accident, identical titanium hardware in the second leg and no more leg length discrepancy. Identical procedure, no identical way. scars, identical everything. Huh. That's incredible. And now your legs and are the same length. Bingo. <laughs> the doctor said the accident itself is a one in a million chance, and the odds of two wow. of that accident are one to infinity. That's amazing. And I look at that as if ever I needed a clear sign or synchronicity that something was meant to be and that there's something more going on here. Mm -hmm. That was it. I guess. So after that accident, again, you're like facing huge recovery time. Mm -hmm. Did you 
maintain your positivity through that all? Or was it, I mean, did you go through a low point? How did, how did that all play out? That's a great question. Now the accident and, and the reason I think these accidents happened to me is because whatever your belief system is, God, universe, source, inner wisdom, whatever you want to call it, the volume gets cranked up on us as we're not listening, heeding the messages. And it gets cranked up and cranked up until you basically get hit over the head with a two by four, or in my case, the thigh. Um, and after that second accident, I had been really out of balance in life and pushing too far, too much. The second accident happened. It was an extremely profound experience, yet I still couldn't fully live in my heart. I was still in my head. And so we got the trifecta, not an NDE. But I was able to, to get back on my bike six or eight months later. We were finishing mindful running at this point. I'm out on a bike ride. I remember like the last thing I want to record for like the last video. I'm riding down the hill. We were in Maui. So I lived on the side of a mountain, Haleakala, a volcano. And I'm riding down this hill. And I don't know how it happened, but my front wheel, I was a professional cyclist. So I was a really good handler. The front wheel on my bicycle floats up into the air. I slam down into the ground. And I broke all the ribs in front of my heart, all of the bones above my heart, and all of the bones in the back behind my heart. In other words, I was broken open around my heart. Mm. That did it. That shot stopped me cold from striving, from driving, from trying to steer the ship. I, since then... I'm a radically different person who hmm. I work hard. I work very hard, but I try to stay in flow rather than to work harder or smarter. Hmm. I try to get in flow. I take steps back. I'm in a continuous state of prayer. I prayed before this interview. I prayed during this interview. I'm continuously trying to stay in that heart space now hmm. and to never forget both what happened and at least for me, what can happen if I don't stay in my heart-centered space. So I have a mantra now, kind, gentle, easy, good. May everything in my life happen kind, gentle, easy, good. And I'm always saying, mm. I'm listening, I hear you, whatever that means, I'll listen, I'll listen, I'll listen. Kind, gentle, easy, good. Kind, gentle, easy, good. Thank you. So you think maybe because you were so high energy and so intense with everything that you were doing up until that point, it just, your, your uh, message had to be a lot more intense also. That's a good way to put it. That's a, a very good way to put it. Yeah, I would say that. And I was... Yes, so much energy that I wasn't able to fully step back. We now teach, uh, one, of the, one of the programs that we teach is, is on automatic writing. It's a way that you kind of freeform journal in prayer and words come to you. To do automatic writing, you need to pause in your life and allow space for something to come in. Hmm. Until those accidents happened, I wasn't allowing space. There was no room to hear my inner wisdom. Mm -hmm. After that, and as I like to talk about healing on the couch from those experiences, I learned to appreciate space and I learned to invite that in. Hmm. And how long ago was, was the last accident? Several that years? would have been, I believe it would have been, was it 2014? maybe fall of 2013. It was either fall of 2013 or 14. It's all a bit of a blur because that time period was incredibly painful and trying. And then Jessica got walloped. So beans. let's talk about Jessica. You guys have, ha you guys have been through the ringer. So let's, what happened with her? What happened with her is she was not able to speak her authentic voice, not able to speak her truth. We were going full speed ahead. I admittedly was piling on the work on her. I was doing the work too, but piling on her and we were both out of alignment. And so we made this mindful running program about going quiet, focusing on the breath, diving in on the inside and, and bringing two precious things together, physical movement with meditation together. Should have been a joyous experience. 
supposed to be a month-long process. It turned into a year-long process with well over 100 different videos, mm. and it was completely draining us. At the same time, she had been getting sick without us knowing it. Now, on Maui, Maui's the next island over from the Big Island. Mm-hmm. Big Island had new vents opening on their volcano over there. Mm-hmm. And so there was this occasionally sulfuric acid, they called it VOG, coming mm-hmm. over in the air to Maui. You'd want to close off your windows, shutter in tight, put a wet uh, towel over a fan so that it would soak up the sulfuric acid out of the air and kind of hunker down. When she would get sick, she would get brain foggy. She would get exhausted. She would have problems with her lungs. We would think it's the VOG and seal her up in the house. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until near before where we left, we realized if we brought her down to town, we thought we were just getting below the level of the VOG, particularly if we take her into like an air-conditioned Whole Foods or something, she'd feel much better. She'd be like a, what do they call it? A chatty Cathy. Talk, 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 talk. And then we'd get her home and she'd be a zombie and have to sleep for the rest of the day. It turns out, we found out a couple weeks before we we left, at this point, we're wiped out financially because we couldn't run the business with like 0.5 of us, a a healing Michael going and and no Jessica at this point. Mm -hmm. We're wiped out financially. We're going to have to leave. It's my, I think in one of your pre-questions, you talked about um, a worst nightmare, worst situation. I said, anything but New Jersey, anything but New Jersey. That's where where she grew up. And here we are going to New Jersey, mm. what you think about, what you resist persists. Mm-hmm. Um, we found as they were cleaning the house, an inch thick carpet of black mold, the whole upper level mm-hmm. of the house with these vaulted ceilings. And so we were living and it had been really rainy that year. Uh, even our coconut tree died of black mold. Oh, wow. We were living in, and so every time that there was VOG or bad weather, we would seal her up in a black mold environment. Oh, man. Oh, wow. So you left and then she got better. Then as soon as she was out of that environment, she got better. It was a process. She did. She bounced back quickly. It was uh, about eight months until the the, the light was really on. Um, But we got back to her childhood home. We were literally living in her, her eight by 10 or so childhood bedroom. Um, she has good, good uh, old school Chinese parents who were living on two separate mattresses in, in her childhood oh bedroom. <laughs> and then um, once we started the show, her uh, brother, he'd moved out many years before. This is strange that we're back living in her childhood house. Uh, we used her brother's room as the, quote, studio to, the, start, to start the show. So I'd ha- I would think that that would have to have been like, your real low point. If you, if you're like to look back, I mean, I can look back and go, mm, yeah, that was rock bottom for me at like one point in my life. Do you, you feel like that was for you? Like both. It's a great question. It's a brilliant question. It was both rock bottom, completely wiped out. We didn't even have, we were gifted with a car by my cousin a few months after you were there, we didn't even have the means to drive any place. We had her old car there, but we'd been in Maui, and so it wasn't registered, and there was this whole hoops to get this out-of-state vehicle registered in a different state. So we were literally living on, on her parents' dime in her childhood bedroom with just about nothing, all of her possessions still basically on Maui. We didn't have the money to ship them back. And you could say, what in the world happened to us? At the same time, out of that came the greatest gifts in the world. I wasn't as clear of how long it would take to take place, but at that point, I had such a strong belief system, and I was doing my automatic writing every day that this will be a magnificent turnaround for us, Mm -hmm. and we are exactly where we're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Easy? No. Humbling? Yes. Between you and I, humiliating? Yes. When her dad or parents are coming talking to me about how are you going to take care of my daughter or our daughter? And I'm like, I, you know, it was just. And it's going to be great because people really understand when you want to start a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) 
Everybody's always so supportive of things like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, they wanted me. I love them dearly. And, and the show wouldn't exist without them. And, and, and we are, we're, we're tremendous now, but we couldn't have gotten there without them. Mm-hmm. Um, they wanted me to either become an elementary school or high school teacher. They mm-hmm. said, we know you can teach, you write books. Um, basically, they actually wrote it out in a contract to me. Life is hard. You can't have what you want. You need to give up your dreams. And, really? And That's amazing. So how they did were you... old school from, from immigrants, which means yeah. they know how to work very hard. Right. They know what it takes. So I can totally, I can totally picture this. I mean, you're, they've got this guy in their house who basically has now their daughter is penniless with this guy and he wants to start a... How did you, like, most people would not have kept going. Most people would have gone and got, if you wanted to stay with Jessica, which you did, you loved her, like you knew she was the one. Most, most people at that point, especially given everything that you had been through and all the, like, just having, you know, things not turn out and the one thing after another, most people would have gone out and got the teaching job. What, what was the like single catalyst, if you can even pinpoint one, like what kept you going despite all those odds? A belief in who I was or who, what will come forth if I stay on path or who is inside of me that gets to come out and what I am here to do. So were you ever like just terrified did you and did it keep you up at night or was that belief so oh, I was strong? terrified and and beyond terror was shame and humiliation mm. you know these talks were the most uncomfortable talks in the world and I had nothing I could say what's my track record I'm wiped out right the daughter is very sick I can't say well I'm a you had nothing. Okay, you were a best-selling <laughs> author. Where are you now? Wow. So my belief system kept me going. The automatic writing kept me going. The time in the forest kept me going. Jessica believed in me too. She was scared out of her mind, but she was sleeping 90% of the time. Mm-hmm. So it was just more on me to figure this out at this point. Wow. And so I did what I do know very well, which is whether it's in sport or in life, I'm a heck of an ultra endurance athlete. Mm. And so I said, all right, what's it going to take to have one of the top shows out there? And I said, all right, we've got to get to the top of the leaderboard, the top of the new and noteworthy right away. What's Mm -hmm. that going to take? It's going to take loading the queue with dozens of interviews and being ready to go and having a, a strong strategy. And so I was recording one, two, crazily, I think a couple times, three A-day shows over that summer. They mm-hmm. gave us six months to be uh, income positive. Um, and then we started the show. I was scared to start. We had to finally choose a date. We were stringing along, you know, guests who said, when's it going to air? When's it going to air? We chose... Um, September 11th to bring some light to the world as Mm -hmm. the day we would upload to iTunes. We looked at the uh, Chinese calendar, the Zodiac, at the Farmer's Almanac. September 14th is when it would go live, which was considered a very auspicious day. And in fact, her dad looked at the Chinese calendar and said, good day. So, (laughs) So we're like, cool. We launched, we became right away one of the top shows out there in self-help for new and noteworthy. We grew quickly from then. Um, Show took off, but six months in, no income yet. Not cash positive. So podcasts aren't exactly cash cows, particularly in the beginning. No, no. (laughs) You're not making millions right now from your podcast? You know, not from the podcast. The podcast is 100% a passion project for me right now. So, and people say, who who, who are your sponsors? And to this day, we say, we are. (laughs) Yes. So, you know, we could have, you know, Burger King or something and and, uh, no, we are our sponsors. So six months in, Jessica's mom, 
a little over 70 years old, working full-time plus at her job, comes to us and says, am I going to have to get a second job? Oh, that hurts. Oh, Ruth. <laughs> oh, that really that hurts. That was the fire I needed under my butt. Oh, well, bless her then. <laughs> I had been saying, and I had the track record of being an extremely successful, helpful coach. But I believed in one thing at a time. If you coach, coach. If you run a show, run a show. And we started the show at um, a daily show so that we could get to the top of the charts. We continued it being a daily show. And we had a second meditation show on top of it. Mm. So we were, the, we were producing uh, 14 shows a week. And I'm That's going, how in the world am I going to coach? Mm. But when, when mom comes to you and tells you this, you reevaluate everything. The meditation show, gone. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, everybody, but we're going to mix in meditations into our main show. We have to focus. I flipped the switch on for coaching. Mm. Everything changed. It mm. was like we were green lighted from the universe. That's it took amazing. a little while for the coaching clients to come along. We mm. had to figure out our structure and everything. I had to figure out my balance. And eventually I went down to a five day a week show. So mm. I have weekends. And mm. now I actually have weekends to play, which is just crazy to me. And I'm still getting used to this. Mm. But Everything took off. We've made programs since then. I've written several books, but I'm waiting actually to put them out until I can get some more help to get more, more of a team on board. Mm. But that, that last fire under my butt from, from my uh, uh, mother-in-law was just what I needed. I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh. That would, that would probably light a fire under my butt too. I got to, I got to tell you. <laughs> Not, not a happy moment. And, and it's the second time in our lives after we, after we released Barefoot Running and it became the number one exercise and fitness book on Kindle worldwide, nine months straight, uh, we came back from a tour of Southeast Asia to find that our book sales had been completely stopped on Amazon. Um, mm. Amazon had flipped some switches, which helped to make more of a profit. Won't even go there, but our book was squashed, just oh, gone. No and, and for several months, we were in, first off, we came back before Christmas with no income. And, and we were just a mess. And that spring, we're going, uh, Jessica's like, you're going to have to stop writing your next book. We're going to have to sell the first book. And I'm like, I'm a failure if I do that. I can't do it. I can't do it. No, no, no. Then I allowed into the idea, like allowing into New Jersey. And we ended up having a 10 book, or 10 publisher bidding war for no. a two book deal, which was off the charts. It was wow. amazing. Wow. So out of those moments when you're saying, no, I can't, no, I can't, anything but that, if you allow into it, no, not New Jersey. And then you get to New Jersey and you go, all right, I'm open. Let's just go for it. Magical things happen. Mm. So true. I love that. So wrapping up, a um, couple questions I want to ask you. First of all, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received and why? <laughs> That's from Jack. Our, he was my best man at 89 years young, and he passed away. He said that most men pass away six months after retirement, so we would never retire. Hmm. At a little after 93, he retired, I guess I'll put that in quotes, from driving the youngsters around, in his words, from the nursing home bus. He drove the bus till 93. Oh he God. retired. Six months later, he checked out. Before he checked mm -hmm. out, he watched our lives on Maui out of alignment. Mm -hmm. And in his words, he said, damn it, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Something to the effect of, you got to get your life in order. And he wanted us to go and stop working and go. He wanted us to visit Colorado, actually where we're living now, Mm. and to visit a monastery and see if we could volunteer there for six months to hit the reset button on our lives. Really? We visited, we, and it was a profound spiritual experience, which I think saved our marriage because we were not in the healthy, happy place we are now. We did not hit the pause button at the time. I got hit over the head with a couple more two by fours, but now I get it. 
Mm. And I understand that when you are out of alignment, you need to get your foot off of the gas as fast as you can and pause for as long as it takes. And the fight or flight response of this system here says you must go, go, go. That's the way to succeed. That's the way to survive. But we learned it's the opposite. It's getting out of the going, getting out of the doing and going into the being, the pause. You're going to find the answers and the next step. I love that. So what are you working on right now that has you super fired up? Two projects because one is never good enough. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, we, we have our daily show, of course. We have our coaching. We have, we're releasing in just two weeks, our magical evening routine program because the best way that you can jumpstart your day is to get a great night's rest and to set yourself up for success the in night the evening. Oh, okay. Let me ask you about this. Yes. How do you, I believe that to be true or to have a po- like super positive morning? Because I'm very much a morning person. Like I get up at 4 a.m. I jump out of bed. I don't even have to set my alarm at 4 a.m. every day. But I have always like wanted to do things in the evening to set myself up for success the next day, cannot get myself to do it. I come six o'clock. I am like a, basically a zombie. How do you Surf do that? Zombiness. How do you zombiness? You, you've got the most amazing uh, <laughs> day timer or organizer in the world. Look at your organizer before six, before the energy goes down. First and foremost, surf the wave of your evening energy. Eat earlier so Mm -hmm. that your body has time to rest and digest before you go to sleep. Okay. And then you can do some wind down activities. Make your evening a ritual. Make it like a Zen zone ritual. There's a time I turn the lights down. There's a time I do some gentle journaling, maybe even by candlelight. You know, maybe there's a time that I take a, a salt bath or have some aromatherapy going on in the house. So you're not talking necessarily about like planning your day the next day and doing all that stuff. You're talking about Earlier actually having a wind evening. down routine. The planning for the day has to take place earlier because everything is a stimulant. Mm. So- What is it? Everything brings you up or takes you down. If you go to plan right before going to bed, you've now kicked your brain into high gear. Mm -hmm. Your body knows better. It's like, no, Ruth, we want to get up and be happy at four. If you have our gears spinning at 7.30, looking at that at the last thing, if I'm doing a Ben Franklin exercise and the last thing I look at the do is look at the day timer, then I'm going to be staring at the ceiling Mm -hmm. for hours because my mind is going to be going to work on it. Mm -hmm. So you plan that in earlier. However... If you go to bed and you instead want to daydream about the future and visualize this magnificent future and the essence of it, not necessarily the details, but the freedom you're going to feel, how much uh, positivity there is in being able to help others and be able to travel the world. And you start putting these magical things into your mind right before sleep. Well, now instead of your subconscious first keeping you awake, worrying about things, and then when you go to sleep, it's still working on your daytimer, instead, it's going to try to help to build the most positive world possible for you. I love it. I'm going to try that. Okay, so this is the what program? Magical Evening Routine Program. And it can be found at inspirenationuniversity.com, where we also have our automatic writing program and people like you and me, because I am such a strong believer in a morning routine where you can also find our Magical Morning Routine Ah, Program. Ah, there we go. Magical morning, magical evening. Awesome. And then we can find all of that at inspirenation.com. Uh, that would be at inspirenationuniversity.com. That's where we have all our classes. Okay. And then inspirenationshow.com is where you'll find the show. And the second piece, I'll tell you real briefly what we're working on, is a 52-week program starting in January, 52 Weeks of Happiness. so that you'll get a class weekly. You'll get minor homework weekly. We make everything so it's flowing like water downhill. We want to make it as easy as possible to to set you up for your greatest year ever. I love that. Happiest year of your life, 2019. Woohoo! <laughs> 
All right. Well, Michael, thank you so much for being on the show. It was so good to hear your story and all the stuff that you've been through is so inspiring. And I'm, the work that you're doing is so amazing in the world and you're bringing so much light and joy to people everywhere. And it's just really amazing to see everything that you've been through and how you've channeled that, finally found a way to channel all that energy into something so incredibly positive and so grateful for you and um, all of your stuff. We will make sure we include on the show notes, all the links to everything that we talked about. Thank so you can you. definitely check that out. And thank you again for being here today. And thank you for being such a gracious host, such an amazing host and for guiding me. So kind, gentle, easy, good through these waters, Ruth. <laughs> You're so welcome. You are shining bright. Thank you. Okay, guys. So don't forget that if you would like to grab our Do It Scared Manifesto or to get the show notes for this episode with all the links that we talked about, you can find it all at doitscared.com slash episode 34, or you can get just the manifesto by texting Do It Scared to 44222 right now. Once again, get all the show notes at doitscared.com slash episode 34, or get just the manifesto by texting Do It Scared to 44222 on your phone right now. And then before we go, I just want to say, as always, that I love hearing from you. I love getting your emails. I love getting your messages on Instagram. So if you have any questions about what we talked about today or any topics that you want to see addressed on the Do It Scared podcast, please feel free to reach out via email by filling out our form at doitscare.com, or you can follow me on Instagram at, at Ruth Sukup. And that about does it for this episode of the Do It Scared podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. And if you liked what you heard, once again, please be sure to leave a review on iTunes. And then if you're really feeling motivated, share a screenshot of your review at doitscared.com for a chance to win our fabulous Do It Scared t-shirts or mugs. And then while you're there, be sure to subscribe to be notified of upcoming episodes. And speaking of upcoming episodes, be sure to join me next week as we talk about self-care and about what it means to actually make time for self-care in your life. We're going to talk about some practical things you can start implementing. And perhaps most importantly, we're going to talk about how to stop feeling guilty about it. Now, if you've been feeling overstressed and overwhelmed and on the verge of burning out, then this is one episode that you do not want to miss. And I will catch you then. <laughs>